0: You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. are now entering the Sapphire Planet. in the Sapphire Planet. Mount Kilimanjaro, with its three volcanic cones, Kaibo, Mawenzi, and Shira, is a dom- dormant volcano in Tanzania. It is the highest mountain in Africa and rises approximately 4900 meters or 16,000 feet from its base to 5,800 meters or 19,000 feet above sea level. The first person known to have reached the summit of the mountain were Hans Meyer and Ludwig Purtscheller in the year 1889. The mountain is part of the Kilimanjaro National Park and is a major climbing destination. The mountain has been subject of many scientific studies because of its shrinking glaciers and disappearing ice fields. Kilimanjaro is the highest dormant volcano in Africa. Kilimanjaro is a large stratovolcano and is composed of three distinct volcanic cones. Kaibo the highest, Mawenzi, at 5,100 meters or 17,000 feet, and Shira the shortest at 4,000 meters or 13,000 feet. Mwenzi and Shira are extinct, while Kaibo is dormant and could erupt again. Uhuru Peak is the highest summit on Kaibo's crater rim. The Tanzania National Parks Authority, a Tanzanian governmental agency, and the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization list the heights of Uhuru Peak as 5,895 meters, or 5,895 meters. That is equivalent to 19,341 feet. That height is based on the British Ordnance Survey of 1952. Since then, the height has been measured as 5,892 meters. That would be 3 meters less or 19,331 feet in 1999. The interior of the volcanic edifice is poorly known, given to the lack of large-scale erosion that would have exposed the interiors of the volcano. Eruptive activity at the Shira Center commenced about 2.5 million years ago with the last important phase occurring about 1.9 million years ago, just before the northern part of the edifice collapsed. Shira is topped by a broad plateau at 3,800 meters, or 12,500 feet, which may be a filled caldera. The remnant caldera rim has been degraded deeply by erosion. Before the caldera formed and erosion began, Shira might have been between 4,900 meters, which is 16,000 feet, and 5,200 meters, which is 17,000 feet. It is mostly composed of basic lavas with some pyroclastics. The formation of the caldera was accompanied by lava emanating from ring fractures, but there is no large-scale explosive activity. Two cones formed subsequently, the Phonolithic, one at the northwest end of the ridge, and the Dolorithic in the caldera center. Both Mawenzi and Kaibo began erupting about 1 million years ago. They are separated by the Saddle Plateau at 4,400 meters or 14,400 foot elevation. The youngest rocks dated at Muenzi are about 450,000 years old. Muenzi forms a horseshoe-shaped ridge with pinnacles and ridges opening to the northeast which has a tower-like shape resulting from deep erosion and a mafic dike swarm. Several large cirques cut into the ring. The largest of these sit on top of the great Barranco Gorge. Also notable are the Osts, and the West Barrancos on the northeastern side of the mountain. Most of the eastern side of the mountain has been removed by erosion. Mawense has a subsidiary beak named Newman Tower at 4,425 meters or... 14,500 feet. Kaibo is the largest cone and is more than 15 miles wide at the saddle plateau altitude. 15 miles is the equivalent of 24 kilometers. The last activity here has been dated between 150 and 200,000 years ago and created the current Kaibo summit crater. Kaibo still has gas emitting fumaroles in the crater. Kaibo is capped by an almost symmetrical cone with escarpments rising 180 meters or 600 feet to 200 meters or 660 feet on the south side. These escarpments define a 2.5 kilometer wide caldera caused by the collapse of the summit. Two and a half kilometers wide is 1.6 miles wide. Within this caldera is the inner cone and within the crater of the inner cone is the Roche Crater, which the Tanganyika government in 1954 named after Gustav Otto Richard Roesch upon his climbing of the mountain for the 25th time. He tried 65 attempts during his lifetime and he was able to do it 25 times. Wow, that's less than 50% easy. The ash pit, 350 meters deep, lies in the Rush Crater. 350 meters is about 1,100 feet. About 100,000 years ago, part of Kaibo's crater rim collapsed, creating the area known as the Western Breach and the Great Barranco. In an almost continuous layer of lava's berries, most older geological features with the exception of exposed strata within the Great West Notch and the Kaibo Barranca. The former exposes intrusion of cyanite. Kaibo, Kaibo has five main lava formations. One, phonotepheritis and Tephraphonolites of the lava tower group on a dike cropping out at 4,600 meters or 15,000 feet, which occurred 480,000 years ago. 2. Tephralphonolite to phonolite lavas characterized by the Rom mega-fina crystals of sodic feldspar, of the Rom porfa group, which, expo- which was formed 460,000 to 360,000 years ago. Three, afric phonolite lavas, commonly underlined, underlain by basal obsidian horizons of the lent group which occurred 359,000 to 337,000 years ago. 4. porphytic tephra-phonolite to phonolite lavas of the Kaldara rim group which formed 274 to 170,000 years ago. Finally number 5. Phonolite lava flows with Agrian finoscrists of the inner crater group, which represents the last volcanic activity on Kaibo. Kaibo has more than 250 parasitic cones on its northwest and southeast flanks that were formed between 150,000 and 200,000 years ago and erupted pyrobasalts, tracheobasalts, anachromites, and bassinites. They reach as far as Lake Chala and Tavita in the southwestern and the Lugurnian Plain in the northwest. Most of these cones are well preserved with the exception of the saddle plateau plateau cones that were heavily affected by glacial action. Despite their mostly small size, lava from the cones has obscured large portions of the mountain. The saddle plateau cones are mostly cinder cones with terminal effusion of lava, while the upper rhombozone cones mostly generated lava flows. All saddle plateau cones predate the last glaciation. According to reports gathered in the 19th century from the Maasai, Lake Chala on Kaibo's eastern flank was the site of a village that was destroyed by an eruption interesting. Drainage. The mountain is drained by a network of rivers and streams, especially the wetter and more heavily eroded southern side, and especially above 1,200 meters or 3,900 feet. Below that altitude, increased evaporation and human water usage reduces the water flow. The Lumai and Pangani rivers drain into Kilimanjaro on the eastern-southern sides, respectively. The origin of the name Kilimanjaro is not precisely known, but a number of theories exist. European explorers had adopted the name by 1860 and reported that Kilimanjaro was the mountains Kiswali name. The nineteen oh seven edition of the Nuttall Excitlopedia also records the name of the mountain as Kilimanjaro. Njaro. John Johann Ludwig Kreff wrote in eighteen sixty that the Swahilis along the coast called the mountain Kilimanjaro although he did not support his claim. He claimed that Kilimanjaro meant either mountain of greatness or mountain of caravans. Under the latter meaning, Kilima meant mountain and Jaro possibly meant caravans. Jim Thompson claimed in 1885, although he also did not support his claim, that the term Kilimanjaro slightly different, has generally been understood to mean mountain, which is Kilima, of greatness, enjaro, though not improbably, it may mean the white mountain because of the snow on top. Enjaro is an ancient Kiswali word for shining Similarly, Kraft wrote that the chief of the Wakaba people, whom he visited in 1849, had been to Jaga and had seen the Kima Jaju, Mountain of Whiteness, the name given by the Wakamaba to Kilimanjaro. More correctly, the Kikamba language, this would be Kima Kiyu, and this possible derivation has been popular with several investigators. Others have assumed that Kilima is Kiswali for mountain. The problem with this assumption is that Kilima actually means hill and is therefore the diminutive of Milma, the proper Kiswali word for mountain. However, it is possible that an early European visitor whose knowledge of Kwiswali was not extensive, changed Mitalima to Kilima by analogy and the two Wakajga names, Kaibo and Kimawanzi. A different approach is to assume that the Kiliman part of Kilimanjaro comes from the Kichaga Kilmi, which means which defeats or Kilama, which means which has become difficult or impossible. The Jaro part would then be derived from Injari, a bird, or, according to other informants, a leopard, or possibly from Kajari, a caravan. Considering the name Kilimanjaro has never been current among the Wakagi people, it is possible that the name was derived from the Wakagi saying that the mountain was unclimbable. Kilimanjari, or Kilmejaro, and porters misinterpreted this as being the name of the mountain. (laughs) In the 1880s, the mountain became a part of German East Africa and was called Kilmejaro in German following the Koswili name components. On October 6, 1889, Hans Meyer, reached the highest summit of the crater ridge of Kaibo. He named it Kaiser Wilhelm Spitz, or Kaiser Wilhelm Peak. That name apparently was used until Tanzania was formed in 1964, when the summit was renamed Uhuru Peak, meaning Freedom, Freedom Peak in Kiswali. The mountain may have been known to non-Africans since antiquity. Sailors' reports recorded by Ptolemy mention a moon mountain and a spring lake of the Nile, which may indicate Kilimanjaro. Although available historical information does not allow differentiation, among, among Mount Kenya, the mountains of Ethiopia, the Virunga Mountains, Kilimanjaro and the Rwanzori Mountains. Before Ptolemy, Ascheles and Herodotus referred to Egypt nurtured by the snows and a spring between the two mountains, respectively. One of these mentions two tall mountains in the coastal region with a valley which traces a fire in between. Martin Fernandez de Encisco, a Spanish traveler to the Mombasa who obtained information about the interior from Navid caravans, said in his Summa de Geografia in 1519 that the west of Mosabasa stands the Ethiopian Mount Olympus, which is exceedingly high, and beyond it are the mountains of the moon, in which are sources of the Nile. The German missionaries, Johannes Rebman of Mobasa, and Kraff, were the first Europeans to try to reach the Snowy Mountain. According to English geographer Alfred Mackinder and English explorer Harry Johnson, Rebman in 1848 was the first European to report the existence of Kilimanjaro. Hans Meyer has claimed that Rebman first arrived in Africa in 1846, and he has quoted Rebman's diary entry of May 11, 1848, as saying, This morning at 10 o'clock we obtained a clearer view of the mountains of Yaga, the summit of one which was covered by what looked like a beautiful white cloud. When I inquired as to the dazzling whiteness, the guide merely called it cold, and I knew at once it could either be neither nor more or less than snow. Immediately I understood how to interpret the marvelous tales Dr. Kraft and I had heard from the coast of the vast mountain of gold and the silver in the far interior, and the approach to which was guarded by evil spirits. In the light of these sources... J. Sertian's Highlands assertion that Redmonds first saw the mountain in 1840 appears to be erroneous. Now we go on to the people who wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, the 19th century explorers. In August 1861, the Prussian officer Baron Karl Klaus von der Decken accompanied by English geologist R. Thornton, made a first attempt to climb Kaibo, but got no further than 8,200 feet, or 2,500 meters, owing to the inclemency of the weather. In December 1862, von der Decken tried a second time together with Otto Kirsten. This time they reached a height of 14,000 feet, or 4,300 meters. In August 1871, missionary Charles New became the first European to reach the equatorial snows on Kilimanjaro at an elevation of slightly more than 13,000 feet or 4,000 kilometers. In June 1887, the Hungarian Count Samuel Teleki and Austrian Lieutenant Ludwig von Hannel made an attempt to climb the mountain. Approaching from the saddle between Mazwenzi and Kaibo, Hunnel stopped at 49, 4,950 meters, or 16,240 feet, but Tekel pushed through until he reached the snow at 5,300 meters, or 17,400 feet. Later in 1887, during his first attempt to climb Kilimanjaro, the German geology professor Hans Meyer reached the lower edge of the ice cap on Kaibo, where he was forced to turn back because he lacked the equipment needed to handle the ice. The following year, Meyer planned another attempt with Oskar Baumann, a cartographer, but the mission was aborted after the pair were held hostage and ransomed during the Abushiri revolt. In the autumn of 1888, the American naturalist Dr Abbott and the German explorer Otto Endefried Ellers approached the summit from the northwest. While Abbott turned his back earlier, turned back earlier, Ellers at first claimed to have reached the summit rim but after severe criticism of that claim later withdrew it. In 1889, Meyer returned to Kilimanjaro with the Austrian mountaineer Ludwig Perscheller for a third attempt. The success of this attempt was based on the establishment of several campsites with food supplies so that multiple attempts at the top could be made without having to descend too far. Myers and Perscheller pushed to the near the crater rim on October 3rd, but turned around exhausted from hacking footsteps in the icy slopes. Three days later, on Pruscheller's 40th birthday, they reached the highest summit of the southern rim of the crater. They were the first to confirm that Kaibo has a crater. After descending to the saddle between Kaibo and Mawenzi, Meyer and Pruscheller attempted to climb the more technically challenged Mawenzi, but could only reach the only the top of Clute Peak, a subsidiary peak before retreating due to illness. On October 18th, they re-ascended Kaibo to enter and study the crater, crusting the rim at Hans Meyer Notch. In total, Meyer and Percheller spent 16 days above 15,000 feet or 4,600 meters during the expedition. They were accompanied by their high camps by Mewini Armani of Pangani, who cooked and supplied the site with food, water, and firewood. The first ascent of the highest summit of Mawenzi was made July 29, 1912, by the German climbers Edward Ohler and Fritz Klute. Who christened it Hans Meyer Peak. Oler and Klute went on to make the third ever ascent of Kaibo via the Dryglaski Glacier and descended via the Western Branch. In nineteen eighty-nine, the organizing committee of the hundred-year celebration of the first ascent decided to award posthumous certificates to the African porter guides who accompanied Meyer and Pruscheller. One person in pictures or documents of the 1889 expedition was thought to have matched a living inhabitant of Maragua, Yohani Kinilau Lauawa. Laouawa did not know his own age nor did he remember Meyer or Pruscheller but he remembered joining a Kilimanjaro expedition involving a Dutch doctor who lived near the mountain and that he did not get to wear shoes during the climb. Laua claimed that he had climbed the mountain 3 times before the beginning of World War 1. The committee concluded that he had been a member of Meyer's team and therefore must have been born around the year 1871. Lauwa died on May 10, 1996. 107 years after the first ascent but now is sometimes even suggested as a co-first ascendant of Kilimanjaro Wow What is the fastest ascent and descent you ask? The fastest ascent descent has been recorded by the Swiss Ecuadorian mountain guide Carl Egloff Born March 16, 1981, in Kyoto, who ran to the top and back in 6 hours and 42 minutes on August 13, 2014. Previous records were held by the Spanish mountain runner Killian Ornette, 7 hours 14 minutes on September 29, 2010, and by Tanzanian guide Simon Mute nine hours, 21 minutes on February 22nd, 2006. The fastest female ascent and descent. The female ascent record is held by Anne Marie Flammersfeld on July 27th, 2015. She climbed to the summit in eight hours and 32 minutes via the Umbwe route which is about 30 kilometers or 19 miles long. Born in Germany, but living in Switzerland, she broke the record of Britain's Becky Shuttleworth, who climbed the summit in 11 hours and 34 minutes on September 20th, 2014. Flammersfeld then needed four hours, 26 minutes to run down the Mueka Gate for a combined ascent and descent time of 12 hours and 58 minutes that broke the previous record of 18 hours, 31 minutes, held by Debbie Buchanan. Ascent by, with, by people with disabilities. Wheelchair user Bernard Goosen scaled Kilimanjaro in six days in 2007, while in two, 2012, Kyle Menard who has no forearms or lower legs, crawled unassisted to the summit of Kilimanjaro. First descent by a snowboard. The first descent by a snowboard was accomplished by Ace Bailey on July 1st, 1988. This descent, at the time, was also the highest altitude descent by a snowboard ever accomplished. This record was held until July, the following year. Trekking Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro National Park generated 51 million dollars US in revenues in 2013, the second most of any Tanzanian national park. The Ngorongoro Conservation Area, which includes the heavily visited Ngorongoro Crater is not a national park. The Tanzanian National Parks Authority reported that the park recorded 57,456 tourists during the 2011-2012 budget year, of whom 16,425 hiked the mountain, which was well below the capacity of 28,470 as specified by the park's general management plan. The mountain climbers generated irregular and seasonal jobs for about 11,000 guides, porters, and cooks in 2007, although serious concerns have been raised about their poor working conditions and inadequate wages. There are seven official trekking routes by which to ascend and descend Mount Kilimanjaro. They are Limosho, Makame, Marangu, Mweka, Rungai, Shira, and Umbwe. Of all these right routes, Makame is widely proclaimed as the most scenic, albeit steeper route. This was true until the opening of Limosho and Northern Circuit routes which are equally as scenic, if not more. The Makame route can be done in six or seven days. Limosho and the Northern Circuit routes can be done in seven days or more. The Rangai is the easiest and least scenic of all camping routes. The Marangu is also relatively easy, but the route tends to be very, very busy. The ascent and descent routes are the same, and accommodations is shared huts with all other climbers. People who wish to trek the summit of Kilimanjaro are advised to undertake appropriate research and ensure that they are both properly equipped and physically capable. Though the climb is technically not as challenging as when climbing the high peaks of the Himalayas or Andes, The high elevation, low temperature, and occasional high winds make this a difficult and dangerous trek. Acclimatization is essential, and even the most experienced trekkers suffer some degree of altitude sickness. The trek to Yuhuri Peak is considered to be a relatively straightforward endeavor. However, ample time must still be provided for proper acclimatization to prevent altitude sickness. The three shortest routes, Marangu, rongai, and makame, are less challenging and often trekked by individuals with limited mountaineering experience. Some trekkers employ altitude sickness medication, but taking at least seven days is the best way to avoid altitude sickness as your body needs proper time to adapt and acclimatize to the high elevation. Route travel times range from five to nine days to summit and return to the base of the mountain. Huts with cooking facilities, bathrooms, and electricity are available on the Marangu route, and camps with fewer facilities are available on many other routes. All huts and many camps have rangers stationed at them with rescue facilities. Their rescue facilities are modified wheelbarrows to transport trekkers stricken with altitude sickness to lower altitudes. Trekkers on Mount Kilimanjaro typically have a support crew of guides and porters who are integral in helping climbers reach the summit. The size of the support crew depends on the number of trekkers in a group and is regulated by the Kilimanjaro National Park. Tour operators are expected to comply with Kilimanjaro National Park guide and porter regulations. A typical climbing group of two trekkers will have one guide, one assistant guide, six porters, three for each climber, and one cook. Porters are responsible for carrying a trekker gear, as well as key items like tents, water, and cooking supplies. It is customary to tip guides and porters at the last meal on the mountain or at the end of the trip. The tipping value varies depending on the number of days spent on the mountain and the number of climbers in a group. summit attempts are generally begun at midnight so that trekkers can reach the rim of the crater to view the sunrise. Walking overnight also means the ground, loose gravel, is frozen, making the going significantly easier. Trekkers on the Marangu route first encounter Gilman's Point on the rim of the crater, which is roughly an hour and a half hike from the Huhuro Peak. Trekkers who follow the Southern Circuit reach the summit via Stella Point, which is about an hour from the summit. Both of these compare with Rangi routes, where the trip from where you reach the rim to the summit can be over two hours, making for a long summit day. Another route is the Western Breach, which includes sections of scrambling, which means hands are required for balance and sport support. The rock on the Kilimanjaro, though, is highly fragmented and deaths from rockfall from above have occurred. On all the southern routes and the western breach climb, it is possible to sleep overnight in the crater. This has three major advantages. First, you can summit during the day, avoiding the midnight rush. Second, you have time to visit the crater and explore the glaciers. Finally, you can get back to the rim very early the next day to see the sun rise. The fert Glacier on Kilimanjaro is a remnant of the ice cap that once covered the mountain. It has been retreated dramatically over the last century with over 80% glacial retreat. The glacier was named after Walter fert who along with Siegfried Koenig were the fourth to ascend the summit in Kilimanjaro in 1912. At the summit, there is a sign posted by the Tanzanian government. The sign, printed in English only, reads, Congratulations, you are now at Uhuru Peak, Tanzania, 5,895 meters, Africa's highest point, world's highest freestanding mountain. It formerly had a fourth part of the sign which read, one of the world's largest volcanoes, Welcome. That sign is covered with travel stickers from past trekkers who have left their mark on the top of the peak. Near this famous sign is a box containing a log that many trekkers have signed. What would your trip be like if you took one of these routes? Let's take the Makami route, for example. One benefit of the Makami route is its quick rise to relatively high elevations, 10,000 feet, 3,000 meters, and short ascent to the Lava Tower site, 15,000 feet, 4,600 meters, before descending back to the Barranco camp, which is at 12,700 feet, 3,900 meters on the same day. This follows the climbers adage, climb high, sleep low, and helps altitude acclimation. The initial steep ascent also helps trekkers acclimatize better. The Makame route starts from the Makame Gate and travels upwards through the mountain rainforest, characterized by dense vegetation, a muddy trail, and short sections of steep steep climbs. The first campsite, Makame Camp, is right after the dense tree cover in an area with lower but still thick brushlands. The second day continues through increasingly sparse trees and bushes into moorlands. The day finishes with Shira Camp, which is on a small plateau in the high moorlands and features views of Kaibo in the northeast and Mount Miru towards the west. White-necked ravens can be seen throughout the day. There's also a set of small caves, a short walk from the campsite, known as Shira Caves. The third day starts in the moorlands and moves into the alpine desert. With fewer trees and more rocks, the highest point is the base of the lava tower, which, after the trail descends into the Branco Valley, More vegetation is present in this zone, especially the area just before the campsite. This area is called the Garden of Senecios, which features many of the huge Senecio plants. Shorter Lobelia plants are also present. The fourth day starts with an ascent of Barranca Wall, which is considered a scramble in climbing terms. The trail continues with many up and down sections across small streams and rivulets, and finally crosses the Karanga River to the Karanga campsite. The fifth day follows the path up and across the rocky zone, finishing at the high camp Barufu. Very little vegetation can be found on the inhospitable terrain. A field of sedimentary rocks litters the ground. Note the six-day trek omits the Karanga campsite and trekkers continue directly to the Barafu on the same day. The summit is usually attempted in the very early morning of the sixth day, around midnight. Barafu is also used as a summit campsite for the Umbalwe route. Trekkers typically take somewhere between five and seven hours to ascend using headlamps and cold weather gear. Making the ascent on a full moon or shortly thereafter can make the head torch unnecessary. The first milestone generally reached shortly after dawn is Stella Point at 18,652 feet, or 5,685 meters, which is on the crater rim. Following Stella Point, the trail continues for another 60 minutes to Uhuru Peak, the summit. The descent back to Barufu takes roughly four hours. Some trekkers scree slide down the slope, which entails skidding running down the loose gravel at medium speed. From Barufu, trekkers typically take a short break and continue downwards through the alpine desert and ensuring moorlands to the Mueka camp. The seventh and final day has trekkers continue through the mountain forests at Mweka Gate troops of black-and-white Columbus monkeys can often be seen in the dense growth there are dangers however a small study of people attempting to reach the summit of Kilimanjaro in July and August in 2005 found that 61.3 percent succeeded and 77 percent experienced acute mountain sickness A retrospective study of of 917 persons who attempted to reach the summit via the Lamosha or Makame routes found that 70.4% experienced acute mountain sickness, defined in this study to be headache, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, or loss of appetite. Kilimanjaro's summit is well above the altitude at which life-threatening high-altitude pulmonary edema, or high-altitude cerebral edema, the most severe forms of high-altitude mountain sickness can occur. These health risks are increased substantially by excessively fast climbing schedules, motivated by high daily national park fees, busy holiday travel schedules and the lack of permanent shelter on most routes. A daily dose of 250 milligrams of astazolamide is associated with a 48% relative risk reduction of acute mountain sickness compared to a placebo, with a higher dose not providing additional protection but causing more adverse side effects. The six-day Makame route which involves one night of sleeping low, may delay the onset of acute mountain sickness, but does not ultimately prevent its occurrence. Falls on steep portions of the mountain and rock slides have killed trekkers. For this reason, the route via the Arrow Glacier was closed for several years, reopening in December 2007. Due to the improper disposal of human waste on the mountain environment, there is a high risk of health hazard. Human feces are very dangerous. They contain over 100 bacteria, protozoan and viruses that without specialized recycling processes, pose a threat to both animals and human beings. Only boiled or chemically treated water is accepted for drinking. Descent changes have appeared in recent years management bodies care more about human waste disposals. The authorities of mountain regions are gradually exchanging the old, leaking toilets for newer, eco-friendly models. And yes, there have been deaths. According to the Kilimanjaro Christian Medical Center in Moshi, 25 people died from January 1996 to October 2003 while climbing the mountain. 17 were female, eight were male, ranging from 29 to 74. 14 died from advanced high-altitude illness, including one with high-altitude cerebral edema, five with high-altitude pulmonary edema, and six with both high-altitude cerebral edema and high-altitude pulmonary edema. The remaining 11 deaths resulted from trauma, three, mitocardial infarction, four, pneumonia, two, cardiopulmonary failure of other underlying causes, one, and one poor soul died of appendicitis. The overall mortality rate was estimated at 13.6 per 100,000 climbers or 0.0136%. In January 2006, three persons from the United States were killed in a rock fall while climbing Kilimanjaro. On September 29, 2008, Ex-CIA agent Ken Moskwa, Moscow died from altitude sickness while just 20 yards, or 18 meters, short of reaching the summit of Kilimanjaro. Your journey is now ending. the sapphire planet.